This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Dave and I are always looking for tips and helps for nymph fishing. We've learned that nymph fishing is not always as easy as it looks. Well, maybe it is, the fishing part is, but catching trout on nymph patterns is another matter. Thankfully, we found a great source of ideas and insights that help us catch trout with nymphs. That source is you, our listeners. Absolutely. Today, we're going to share some comments we've received from you about fly fishing with nymphs. These are comments you've made in response to various podcasts or pieces that we've posted. Let me just insert here. I was in Minnesota last week for my son's college graduation, and another friend of mine was there. His daughter was graduating from college as well. But he's living in Idaho now, and he's a new fly fisher. And I was trying to explain to him on Instant Messenger before we met this weekend on how to fish nymphs. He's just starting out. And he'd, he had not really understood the idea of a strike indicator. And so when I was with him, I was able to open it up on my phone, show him what a, the different types of strike indicators. Yeah. And I was able to visually say, okay, here's where your strike mm-hmm. indicator is. Here's where the end of your leader is. And I just realized again how complicated nymph fishing yeah, is. Yeah, it really can I, be. Streamer fishing mm-hmm. to me is easy. Dry fly fishing to me is easy, and maybe it's because it's what I've started doing. Mm-hmm. To me, nymph fishing has been the single thing that has been so challenging. So I think this episode is really good, and I'm really looking forward to really learning myself yeah. you know, and reminding myself about these techniques and tactics for nymph fishing. Yep. So I think the first one, which came from Richard, who had commented on, on one of our posts, he said, quote, for my two cents... of my big fish, 20 to 22 inches, have come from with an extremely natural drift downstream as far as 75 feet. And be prepared because it's almost always on the first drift, unquote. Let me ask you this, Steve. So why do you think he's catching them on the long drifts? Well, that's a great question. I, I guess my initial hunch is because the fly is at the right depth at that point. You know, sometimes it, it takes a while for uh, those nymphs to get at the, the right depth. You, you've got to get deep enough, and, and sometimes it's a difference between, you know, six inches or, or a foot. Well, uh, you know that, that the longer your drift is, the, you know, the, the better chance is, okay, it's, it's gotten deep enough. But so why do you think the first drift because he mentions that. Why do you think that? That I, that I don't know. Because I've almost had the, the other experience. Sometimes uh, you know, they, they won't look at it. It's got to be in that, that right hot zone. And sometimes it takes me a few. I mean, if you're, if you're fishing a new run, you may not know where that is. And so I, I guess my experience has been a little different. Sometimes I'll, I'll catch them on the, you know, the second or, or maybe the third cast. I have also found especially we were fishing the gardener a couple years ago fishing with that guide i just remember Mm -hmm. that one story you know he i wasn't catching anything he said here let me show you where they're you know here's the see where there's a hot zone in the run and you're missing it and it took me four or five you know times to get it right Mm -hmm. but once i did so being 
deep enough is one issue, mm-hmm. but being yeah. in the right zone, right. I guess yeah. deep includes mm-hmm. that, but being in the right yeah. window, you also have to be in that right window. I sure. think that takes time sometimes. Yeah. So yeah, my experience has not been on the first yeah. trip either. But No, I guess if you're in the, the right window and maybe it's a smaller run, then yeah, it does make sense. I mean, the first time is, wow, the first time a fish sees it, I guess that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it That's does. going to be your best but shot But I've also had it, luck. But nymph fishing on smaller streams you know catching four or five out of the same run yeah uh, right uh, i don't know i remember one day on timber coolie probably mm-hmm. 20 years ago which is in the wisconsin driftless standing it was a bright sunny day of all things mm-hmm. and i stood in this one run and i caught five probably in 15 minutes which is the most fish per 15 minutes i've ever caught in the mm-hmm. driftless and it was just amazing and they were all hitting they were hitting this little uh, Prince Nymph, and wow. it was amazing. So, yeah, the the first drift, I agree with that. It often the first time is is the best time, but I've also yep. had luck other other casts as well. It's true. I do I, think you need to be persistent. You do, and I think long drifts are are important. It's uh, I, I know the temptation you throw up river, and then you think, okay, the best action is going to be right in front of me, and then it goes by ten feet, and like ah, oh, yank it in and try it again, but. I've I've experienced this and I've seen other guys too. It's sometimes it's on those long drifts. It just seems like, you know, everything comes together about the time when uh, your fly is right in front of you. And and the longer you can keep it in the river on a good drift, the better chance you have of catching a fish. That brings up the whole issue of stack mending, and letting that thing drift as far as you can yeah and yep. uh, letting out more line and letting that drift so i i think you're right the long drifts if you can figure out a way to let that thing drift longer the better so here's another tip from our friend glenn he is a guide in the adirondack mountains in new york state uh great uh insights uh, in fact we, we've got more than one uh, tip from him in this podcast today, but he says this, one tip I will share with you is that when you cast upstream and start your drift, follow the speed of the current with your rod tip. Once you are 90 degrees to the river, does that mean kind of right out in front of you, Dave? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, Once you're 90 degrees to the river, pause for a second to allow your fly to straighten out, then continue your drift. Before lifting your rod tip out of the water to make the next cast, and and this is what I think is gold, lift the rod tip slowly, imitating an emerging insect. Too many times I've watched many anglers just lift up and recast. Dave, I know you've caught fish like that, haven't you? Just lifting your rod tip at the end of the drift? Last fall, I caught the heaviest fish I've ever caught on a fly rod. And it was on that all of serendipity. Yeah. And uh, it was at the far, far, far end of the drift. And as I lifted that rod tip up, it hit it. Yeah. And and I was in for a fight. I think I we've talked about this before, but absolutely that's true. He's dead on. But I love that tip. It's just such a good reminder. Yeah. Don't just thoughtlessly think about that next cast, mm-hmm. but think about how to lift that rod tip up slowly like an emerging insect. Yeah. That, that's just great. That's just great. Insight. That really is. It's great advice. You know, maybe a question for somebody would be, well, why don't you just do that two or three times during your drift? And, and that sounds great. The problem is then it takes a while for that uh, nymph to get back down into, into that the, window, into the zone. Yeah. So yeah, 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 you're yeah. better off just making a long drift. I mean, what you could do though is uh, you could do some uh, some shorter drifts, uh, like if, if you're 
you're doing multiple casts in the same run, maybe the, the second time, uh, lift up on, on your rod tip, bring it up, uh, you know, at a different point than before. Maybe you don't let it drift quite as long, and you could accomplish the same thing that way. But you do want a nice long drift, but then at the end of the drift, don't waste it and think, well, i got to pull it out so I can cast again. There are a lot of nuances to this. I read some works by Gary Borger on this, and there's a lot of different nuance to to even quasi-stripping um, your nymphs, but mm-hmm. again, it's so nuanced. I don't think we can talk about it on podcasts, and I'm way yeah. beyond that. Yeah. So I'm way underneath that meaning. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's beyond our pay grade, yes, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that reminds me of a, a, a kind of a comment along the same lines comes from Duane. He's a veteran fly fisher in in Oregon. I've had the privilege of fly fishing with him a couple times and he is really good. He says, I was fishing Oregon's wonderful Metolius River with caddis nymphs one day. I was fishless for at least an hour. I was disgusted so I decided to change patterns and I began ripping my nymph from downstream so I could clip it off and try something different. I I know exactly what he's talking about. (laughs) Well, he says, three or four hard yanks, and wham, first trout of the day. That tactic worked all day, but it has never worked again, and I've tried it often. <laughs> I love it. That's great. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. Have we ever had anything like that? Uh, oh. I don't know that I have. I know. I, I mean, I remember a day on the Gallatin when, when uh, no, it was, uh, it was on the... Uh, Gardner, wasn't the it? The Gardner, yeah. yeah. On the Gardner, when you told me to do a hook set every time my strike indicator moved slightly, and, and I thought, oh, yeah, whatever. So, I mean, I had to humor Dave, and uh, can't make him think that I thought his idea was stupid, which <laughs> I did. So I did it, and I had a trout on every time. Now, I wonder if... Other days, it hasn't been, yeah, hasn't exactly. been the case, kind of like Duane's story. But that day, man, you were, you were right on. I would say as a general principle, though, that you probably catch less fish because... Not so much because of a bad drift, but because you don't hook set when you see that thing yeah, just a little true. bit. Right? You just right. miss a lot. But sometimes it's just a little bump So like subtle. That. Yeah, yep. so subtle. So here's another tip from Glenn. He says, another great way to make mending easier is to learn some casting techniques. The reach cast is an amazing technique. This will put your fly line way behind your fly before it hits the water. You can then mend your line much more effectively if you pay attention to your line on the water. A pile cast or wiggle cast works great for streamers and nymphs. Standing upstream and casting downstream, these casts will put slack into the lines that hits the water. Practice your casting daily and don't forget to practice your aerial mends as well. It will make mending on the water much easier. All right, we, we have to deconstruct some of this. There's yeah. a lot of stuff There's there. There's so much so, content yeah, in I this know one. It. So let's start with the reach cast. I, I think Glenn's reach cast must be talking about casting forward and then reaching to the side during the cast to get the line behind the fly. And if that's that's what he's talking about, that's similar to Gary Borger's C loop. Yeah, the C loop. So in other words, you draw a letter C in the air. Uh, you do that normally, a normal letter C, if you want the loop to go to the left, or a backward C if you want to, the loop to go to the right. 
But maybe an easier way too is uh, you, you've done the forward cast and, and while that line's still in the air, you just reach to the right or you reach to the left with your rod. Uh, it's almost like drawing a straight line instead of a C and that will, that'll put that bend and, and it gets your line behind your, uh, uh, yeah, behind the, the, the strike indicator, which means it'll be behind the, the nymph that's drifting. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just a way of mending in the air, right? Right, that's exactly right. I yeah. think the great fly fishers are always mending in the air. Yeah. They're mending mm -hmm. before that hits the water. That's what he meant, too, by the aerial, uh, the aerial mends, uh, so doing yeah. it in the air. Now, uh, pile casting or the wiggle cast, you talked a little bit about stacking, and I think that's probably what he's referring to here, wouldn't you say? I also think when you're, even when you're, especially with dry flies, and we're talking about nymph fishing in this one, but... Um, if you're casting downstream, you cast it and then you pull back on the rod, and, and so that line piles up in front of you so yeah. that, the, mm -hmm. that you can get a good drift for the length of your, your line. Right. A dead free drift for the, right. uh, or drift, what did I say? Did I say dead free? What yeah, I, I wasn't to listening a... to you. I tuned you out, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a dead drift. Mm, yes. So yeah. just to get that dead drift. So I think that's uh, I think that's what he means by the pile cast, where you yeah. cast out and mm -hmm. then you pull back and let that thing hit the water, and then you have time for it to drift downstream. Right. And then you can wiggle your rod tip as well as your line is going downstream, and that will let out some slack line. Uh, that's the key, to have a little bit of slack line, because as soon as the line goes tight... Uh, you know, anything that you do is going to make that nymph, uh, you know, do something it normally doesn't do instead of just drifting down There's the stream. There's a ton of content in that point that he makes. Yeah, really To is. me, the one that sticks out is the aerial mend and being able to do that really mm -hmm. well. So. Yep, that is an important, uh, yeah, it's an important technique, especially if you have a shorter run and you don't want to have to mend once your fly hits the water. The next point comes from Eric, and he says this, I especially like using what a San Juan River guy, John Tavener, taught me, that the bubbles passing your indicator reveal that your flies are moving at the proper speed on the bottom. Now that's a great insight, and yeah. we've talked about yep. that before. Uh, a guide on the Madison River that we've used before, a guy named Curtis, who had an engineering degree, I think it was mechanical engineering, wasn't it? You mean that wasn't my observation, my, my brilliance, Dave? <laughs> so why is this, Steve? Yeah. So why, why is it that the bubbles passing your indicator show that your flies are moving at the, your nymphs at the, are moving at the proper speed on the bottom? Yeah, well, that's because, as Curtis told us, the current at the bottom of the river moves slower. So if your weighted fly is at the bottom, it's going to move slower than the current on top. And, of course, that's going to make your strike indicator uh, move uh, slower. It's not the current that's moving your strike indicator along. Your, uh, uh, your, your fly, your nymph at the bottom is actually what's dictating the speed of that strike indicator. So yeah, that's why you look at it and that's, a, that's an important insight, isn't it? Well, and I used to always, you know, I used to always say, hey, you know that you're deep enough. Because the thing is, here's the point, is that you have to be deep enough with those nymphs. If you're not deep enough, they're not seeing those nymphs. Yeah. If, they're not in their, if they're not in the window, and I always used to say, well, you know you're deep enough when you get caught or snagged yeah. a couple times. Mm -hmm. And Curtis said, no, 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 no. He said, that, that's one way. But yeah. another way is, you know, 
basically how, how fast you know the bubbles are moving relative yep. to your strike indicator. So I think this works really well on larger rivers right. like the Madison mm -hmm. and the Yellow Yellowstone. I think it's harder on smaller creeks, yeah. uh -huh. partly because you just don't have time to watch the bubbles race your indicator, yeah. right? There's just not that time. And the stream and, may not be that deep, so the, right, the exactly. flow at the bottom and the top aren't going to be as different. But I've used this even in Camfield Creek this spring when I was out there uh, in the Minnesota Driftless after I, I came from uh, Rochester. After my mom had surgery, I took a day and fished in the Minnesota Driftless. And I, 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 caught, I had this one run that was really, really good, and it was so deep. It wasn't so deep like a Yellowstone River, Madison River deep, but it was deep enough. So I wondered for a moment, was my was my was my nymph deep enough? And then I saw the bubbles, and and saw the speed of the river was faster yeah. than my strike mm -hmm. indicator. Thought, yeah, I'm in good shape. And sure enough, shortly thereafter, I mm -hmm. caught a I had a strike and, and caught a nice little brown trout. Yep. So, so Glenn gave us another great insight. I mean, this guy's name, the guide's name is Glenn Zarboni, and. If you're ever in the Adirondacks, you really need to hire him to take you out in some of those streams up there. So, but he gave us another insight. This is re, uh, w response to a post on our favorite two fly combos, and generally we like to say that it's you know with two flies, you know two is better than one because it gives you more opportunity. The fish uh, get to see two different types of flies. We were talking about what we like with the beadhead prints on the top and the pheasant tail or copper john or hare's ear at yeah. the bottom. And usually a little bit larger fly on the top. Yes, and, like and a 14 or a 16 and then maybe yeah. have an 18 or 20 underneath. Yeah. So, and this is, what, this is what Glenn said. He said, I'd like to use a beadhead prince nymph with a Frenchie. The Ossobel Ugly, the Adirondack modification to a woolly bugger and a Frenchie. The Waltz Sulfur Nymph, and you guessed it, a Frenchie. The Frenchie, in my opinion, is the best nymphing wow. fly ever. I like to rig my tandem flies Euro style or French nymphing style, tie on your point fly, the heavy fly, the fly that will be on the bottom, and then tie on a short piece of tippet about 18 inches or 20 inches above the fly using a double surgeon's knot. Use the tag end that points to your first fly and cut the other one. Tie on your second fly. I like this tag in to be four inches to six inches long. Any longer and you will get more tangles. So what is a Frenchie? Uh, the Frenchie uses a pheasant tail for the tail, but then you wrap the excess forward for the body. You use the copper wire for the ribbing and then some of the orange or pink thread, you use that that sits behind the bead head. So uh, have, have we tried the Euro nymphing style? I know I did that once when I was out in Utah. Oh yeah, no, I haven't. And even as I reread that comment by Glenn, I thought I, I really ought to try this and, and just see, just to compare. I mean, I I simply tie my tippet from the bend in the hook of my lead fly, and that works fine. That's probably why I haven't varied because it, you know, it really hasn't seemed to be a problem. Now maybe if I tried a different way, maybe I would pick up more fish, and so I really should. I have a friend, a really good fly fisher, who actually ties his tippet into the hook of the, I'm sorry, into the eye of the, the hook of the lead fly. So, uh, you know, in other words, you've got two things tied there. You've got the, you tie your lead fly on, and then in that same, in that same eye of the hook, then you tie another piece of tippet onto that yeah, and drop I mean, it eight to 12 yeah. inches or whatever you're dropping right so I mean I I don't know there there are different ways of doing it I really should try the euro nymphing 
trick. And I, I think too, if anybody's saying, well, I can't visualize that. Well, neither can I very well, although I, I know enough about a surgeon's not to have a fairly decent idea, but I'm, I'm just going to go to the internet and go to YouTube and, uh, I'm sure there will be a, a video there. Well, I just on, purchased the book on yeah. uh, on neuronymphing, and I'll just steal your book then. Yeah, books. I find videos that are more helpful. I, I learned the uh, infinity knot for tying leader to tippet. Uh, that way, somebody sent that to me, and it was like the best knot ever for tying leader to tippet. So I use that all the time now. Mm. It's so simple. It's better than the surgeon's knot. Uh, I just love it. But I, I let's let's make a like a pact that we're going to learn some, just do some Euro nymphing, take, slow down, take the time and do it. Right. I mean, why can't we do this? Yeah, that'd be great. You slow down, then I can <laughs> speed up to the next run while you're trying to do your, yeah, try tie on your, your nymph. Exactly. Well, yeah, is this like, Hey Steve. Fly. Yeah. Oh, exactly. man. No, that is, that is good though. We, we need to do that. Yep. All right. Here's a final tip from Gary Borger. He's not a listener, but no, someone we interviewed early on. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I doubt he, he's listening to he us. Pick up so much from what we have to say, uh, but his recommendation was all about tackle to go lighter for Spring Creeks. He says you've got to change your tackle as you move from freestone rivers to Spring Creeks, and and I'm assuming that's because your Spring Creeks are, are clearer. Uh, they're they're just a little bit more uh, delicate, maybe more smaller as well. Yeah, they're, they're definitely more technical, and so, yeah, this is a this is a principle more than a technique. So Dave, when he says go lighter, what are we talking about there? I think it's as simple as you know, if you're using forex tippet, you know, on your freestones because you're not really thinking about it, you know, it just not doesn't cross your mind. Maybe move to five x or six x. I know some people use seven x. I think it means smaller flies. I think you're fishing smaller nymphs, smaller dry flies, maybe 18, 22, you know, 20 or 22. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. like really, yep. you know, I don't think that's always true, but I think what he's talking about is a mm -hmm. principle. Yeah. You have to think differently if you're fishing spring creeks. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing that I struggled with yeah. when I moved from fishing in the West to fishing in the Wisconsin and Minnesota yep. Driftless. And actually, it forced me to up my game. So I think this idea when we're talking about nymph fishing is go lighter in your tackle, mm -hmm. tackle which means lighter tippet yeah. and finer tippet and, and smaller flies. Well, that's enough wisdom for one day. It's time for great stuff from our listeners, even though we've already had great stuff from our listeners. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Lincoln sh recently shared this in response to our podcast about a fine day on Nelson Spring Creek. He said, yesterday I had an excellent day on a small spring creek in the Iowa Driftless. I had heard stories about catching 40 trout in a day, all let alone on dry flies. Until yesterday, I'd never believed these stories. This stream I was fishing had primarily native brook trout. Yes, you read that right. There was a population of native brook trout in Iowa that have existed here since the last ice age. Dave, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Anyway, Lincoln goes on and says, This is my very first time fishing here, and I had one of those magical days landing over 40 brook trout on dry flies in under four hours. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I was catching fish so rapidly that no matter how much floating I used or powder that I, I shook and false casting, I could not keep my dry flies floating. <laughs> that's so awesome. Oh, man. Now, before this sounds like a brag fest, I'm an average fly fisher at best. I was incredibly lucky they hit my flies so readily. 
This will be a day that I will never forget and probably won't happen for at least another few years. What Man, a great post. I love it. That is great. And it's true. Those kinds of days, we've had a few of them, and they, they spoil you, they? Don't do they? spoil you. Yeah, go, they kind and of this mess is how it should everything. always yeah, be. I know. What a wonderful day. By the way, uh, speaking of uh, native populations of brook trout in the Driftless, I've been doing a lot of reading on some of these uh, studies that, that the biologists have done. And one of the big challenges in the Driftless is that there were the eastern brook trout that were... That were um, uh, not installed. What's the word that were oh, yeah. planted? Planted, yeah. planted mm -hmm. there, but there's also these natives. That's fascinating. And so there's this struggle between trying to you know preserve the native brook trout wow. along with these eastern with the eastern strain of brook trout, in addition to all the issues that you have with brown trout hmm. and that, that basically dominate streams. So if these were the natives that he's talking about in Iowa, wow, what a Man, day. That's a day to remember. That really is. That is really cool. Well, that's going to do it for today. Hey, what other tips or insights do you have to offer about fly fishing with nymphs? Please share them with us by commenting on this podcast link at twoguysinariver.com. Talk to us about nymph fishing and what you've learned. And thank you so much for referring our podcast to your TU chapter or fly fishing club, your friends. That's how we grow. That's how we've grown. And after three full seasons and now into our fourth season, we are so grateful for your trust. Please keep referring the podcast. We'd also love to hear ideas for new episodes. You know, after three full seasons, we definitely need more ideas. So please send those to us via instant messenger or Instagram or just reach out to us, Steve, Dave at twoguysinriver.com. One more thing, if you haven't yet purchased our book, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists, Life is Short, Catch More Fish, please do so at Amazon. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. <laughs>